Good evening. It's good to be back together tonight. Appreciate you being here on what feels like midnight. It's pretty dark outside, um, but appreciate you. Appreciate the day we've been able to share together, the worship that we've been able to offer to our God, the texts that have been thought about today. Appreciate you. Appreciate the blessing that you've been to me and Leslie, the encouragement that you've offered. Again, look forward to this time of study tonight. If you have your Bibles, let's go back to the book of Ephesians. As we have been over the last few months, as we've been working our way throughout this letter, I'd love for you to join me in Ephesians chapter 4. And tonight we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 24. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. I came across a story of a high schooler, a teenage boy who was really like any other teenage boy. He went to school like every other kid, every single day. He was around his friends every single day. He was on the football team. He was pretty popular. He had a lot of friends. He even had a girlfriend. One day, they were sitting at the lunch table like they did every other day throughout the week, and the topic of religion came up. They started talking about their different faiths and the different churches that they attended. This particular teenager piped up and said, oh yeah, I'm... I'm a Christian too, and I go to this specific church, and let me tell you about what we did last week at this youth event. Whenever we all got together, it was really neat. As he was talking, everyone at the table stopped eating. They looked at him, and whenever he finished, almost in unison, they asked, you're a Christian? We didn't know that. We didn't know that you went to this specific church. We didn't know that you were involved in youth group. We didn't, even, we didn't know that, that you claimed to live that kind of life. Here are his friends, people who he sits with every single day at lunch who didn't even know that he was a Christian because of the way that he chose to live. What about us? Whenever we go out into the world, whenever we're around our friends, Whenever we're at school, whenever we're at work, when we find ourselves in different situations throughout the week, are people able to see that we're Christians by the way that we live? Are people able to see the way that we love, to see the way that we interact with other people? Are people able to watch our actions, our words, the way we talk about other people, or maybe in some cases how we refuse to talk about other people? And walk away thinking, wow, That person reflects Christ. I think really what that boils down to is, do we stand out from those who are in the world? Are we different from those who aren't Christians? If you were to take your life and the life of someone who doesn't know Jesus, would there be any differences? I came across an article, it was written a few years back, that claimed you could see the light of a candle from 1.6 miles away. That's a pretty long distance, isn't it? If you're in complete darkness and there's nothing hindering your sight, you can see just the little flame, the little wick of a candle from 1.6 miles away. Light doesn't just appear in darkness. Light is obvious when it's surrounded by darkness. Light stands out from darkness. Light overcomes the darkness. Reminds me of what Jesus says. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, perhaps you're familiar with these words from Jesus in verses 14 through 16. You are 
the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As Christians, we are the lights that shine in the midst of a very dark world. How different we are from the world, how much we stand out from the world. It shouldn't just be something that's visible, it should be something that's obvious. Something that people can see from miles away. Something that people will automatically know about us by the way we talk, by the way we live, by the things that we do. We are the light of the world. A city that's set on top of a hill. You can picture that, can't you? And maybe we've seen this. You're driving down the road or, or maybe you're flying in an airplane and you look down in the midst of the darkness. You see all of these lights. Jesus says that's what we're supposed to be like. In the first century world, they couldn't have light by just flipping a light switch, right? They didn't have electricity like we do. They would have to light a lamp. How much sense does it make to light a lamp and then put that lamp under a basket? It's going to continue to be dark if you do that. Jesus says that we're to let our light shine before others so that they'll see our good works and not glorify us, not talk about how great we are, but glorify God and talk about how great He is. As Christians, we are supposed to stand out. Lights shining in the midst of darkness. We are supposed to be different. And I believe that's what Paul talks to us about. When we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17-24, through 24, the text that was just read for us, if we narrow our focus for just a few minutes to verses 17-19, through 19, we find this instruction that we're supposed to stand out. And instruction that we're supposed to be different from those who don't know the Lord. I think the first thing we need to notice about this text in verse number 17 is Paul makes it clear that he's not speaking on his own authority. Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord. Some translations say, this I say and testify with the Lord. We could illustrate it like this. It's like Paul is in a courtroom. And this question of whether we should be different or not, whether we should stand out or not, is being addressed. And Paul calls Jesus up to the witness stand. Paul calls Jesus up to testify to the truth of what he's about to say. This isn't just something that Paul is saying. This is not just something that Paul is testifying about. This is something that the Lord has said. This is something that Jesus is testifying about alongside of him. What is it? What's the message? When you read in verse 17, you find a command. It's a negative command, a prohibitive command. tells us something we're not supposed to do. He says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. When Paul uses that word Gentiles, he's talking about the world. Those who are living outside of Jesus. One of the key phrases in the book of Ephesians is in Christ. All the way back in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. What? In Christ. When he talks about Gentiles, he's talking about those who are outside of Christ. Those who haven't been converted to Christianity. Paul is going to describe the Gentile world here in just a few moments. But if you want to read more about it later this week, go to Romans chapter 1. The last half of that chapter, verses 18 through 32, Paul provides a list of the different sins that the Gentile world lived in. The different sins, the wickedness that they embraced. 
As Paul writes to the church at Ephesus here in Ephesians 4, remember, a number of these Christians would have been Gentiles. They would have been converted out of very sinful, wicked, evil lifestyles. And so here's what Paul has to say to them. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In other words, when you look at the world, you can't live like they live. You can't walk like they walk. You can't talk like they talk. You can't do what they do. You can't have the priorities that they have. What's the message? As Christians, we're supposed to be different. As Christians, we're supposed to stand out. Well, what are we supposed to stand out from? What are we supposed to be different from? Paul provides a number of different descriptors there in verses 17-19. through 19. First, he says that the Gentiles are walking in the futility of their minds. In other words, the meaninglessness of their thinking. Their thinking, their mindset was futile. It was meaningless. It had no purpose because it wasn't centered on God. Their mindset was centered on self. Their mindset was centered on sin. Their mindset was centered on other people. And so they were walking not in a meaningful thought process, but in a meaningless thought process. He says, number two, they're darkened in their understanding. Contrast that with what Paul says in Ephesians 1 and verse 18. About how as Christians, the eyes of our hearts are enlightened, Paul says. If you're not a Christian, you don't have that. You don't have that enlightenment. Instead, as Paul says about the world, they are darkened in their understanding. Number three, they're alienated from the life of God. Separated from the life that only God can provide. Why is that? Paul gives a couple of different reasons. He says first, it's because of their ignorance. If you pivot back to Romans chapter 1 for just a minute, verses 18-32, through 32, you find that Paul is talking about a willful ignorance here. Paul's not saying that they don't know who God is, and that's why they're alienated from the life of God. Paul's not saying that they're ignorant that God exists, or they're ignorant of what God desires for their lives. What Paul is saying is that they're ignorant of what it's like to have a relationship with God. What it's like to be the person that your Creator wants you to be. They're ignorant of what that's like because they've never done it. The second reason, he says it's because of the hardness of their hearts. When you look at the Gentile world in Ephesians 4, their hearts were like cold stones, like rocks. God wasn't able to penetrate their hearts because their hearts were closed to Him. Their hearts were hard. Paul continues, number 4. He talks about how they're calloused. In verse 19, think about how you get a callus on your hand. When you have that spot rubbed over and over and over again, eventually you're going to get a callus. And when you get a callus, you lose feeling in that spot. That's what happened to the Gentile world. This is what can happen to us as people. Have you ever been in a situation where you did something wrong and you felt really bad about it? And then you did it again? You didn't feel as bad? And then you did it again, and you didn't feel as bad, and it was a cycle until now I'm doing this specific sin. I'm committing this specific evil, this wickedness that goes against God's Word, and and I don't even feel anything. It doesn't bother me anymore. They had reached that point. They were living in unbridled sin. They were living in unbridled lust to the point that what they were doing didn't even bother them. It didn't even weigh on their conscience one bit. He says in 19 that they had given themselves up to sensuality. In other words, whatever their body desired, that's what they did. 
Whatever kind of lust or desires they had, that's what they gave themselves over to. And then Paul says, concluding in 19, that they're greedy to practice every kind, not just some kinds, but every kind of impurity. Paul describes the Gentile world. He says this is what the world looks like. This is how the Gentiles live. This is how the Gentiles walk. So what's the message for us as Christians? Go back to 17. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. This is what the world looks like. This is how they live. This is how they walk. But it's not what you look like. It's not how you live. It's not what you look like. Paul says that we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to stand out from the world that he describes in Ephesians 4. It's interesting to me, when you read through that list that we have up on the screen, when you read through verses 17 through 19, it looks kind of familiar, doesn't it? Paul is not just describing the first century world, but can you read through those six bullet points there and apply it to the world we're living in now? Can you see that not just in the first century, but in the 21st century? People who walk in the meaninglessness of their minds, darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God. They're callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality. They're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Paul says when we see that in our world, when we confront people who live in that way, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if it's a family member. It doesn't matter if it's a close friend. It doesn't matter if it's someone you work with, a, a, a co-worker or a fellow classmate. It doesn't matter if it's someone famous, some kind of celebrity who has a lot of influence. Paul says when you look at those who are in the world as a Christian, you have to be different. You can't live like they live. Is that going to be hard sometimes? Let's not sugarcoat it. It's going to be hard sometimes. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. Are people going to make fun of you? Are they going to leave you out of things? Are they going to make jokes at your expense? Yeah, they probably will. But will it be worth it? Of course it will be worth it. Because this is the kind of life that God calls us to. A kind of life where we are different. Let's take that a step further though. Paul tells us that we're supposed to be different, but how in the world are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to live a life where we're different from the world? When I look at the world that Paul describes in 17 through 19, how do I stand out against that? In 20 through 24, Paul gives us four ideas. First, if we're going to be different from the world, we have to realize the difference between Jesus, between Christ and the world. I mean, go back to 17 through 19. He describes the world. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality. The turning point is in verse 20. But that is not the way you learn Christ. You see all of this in the world over here? What you have to realize is that you didn't get that from Jesus. You didn't learn that from Jesus. What we learn from the world is not what we learn from Jesus. And what we learn from Jesus is not what we learn from the world. Verse 21 mentions being taught by Jesus. What the world teaches us is not what Jesus teaches us. Those two things stand as polar opposites. They are in stark contrast to one another. 
So if we're going to be different than the world, we have to realize the difference between Jesus and the world. Maybe sometimes we're tempted to think that Jesus and the world go hand in hand. That they're best buddies. And they get along well. Jesus in the world, they're just alternate lifestyles of ultimately getting to the same place. It really doesn't matter which side you choose. The world certainly wants us to think that way, but that's not the way it is in Scripture. If we're going to be different from the world, we have to realize that what we learn from Jesus, what Jesus teaches us, is not what we learn from the world. It's not what the world teaches us. The two stand as polar, polar opposites. What we see on TV, what we read on social media, what we see in the movies is not what we see in our Lord. And we have to recognize that difference. Number two, Paul says we have to lay aside the old self in verse 22. I like that phrase, lay aside. It's as if you're taking something and and you're putting it to the side. You're throwing it away. You don't care where it goes. I'm reminded of a story about one of my friends I had on on my cross-country team at Freed Hardman. His mother told this story on him, so that tells you that it's pretty good, right? He came home from a high school cross-country meet one time and decided what he wanted to do was take a bath. And so he went into the bathroom, he started running the water, he took off his shirt and just threw it. Didn't think about where it went, didn't think about where it landed, he just threw it. So he got in the bath, he was sitting in there for a while, and started to smell a little bit of smoke. Looked around, didn't see anything. But then he looked up, and his shirt had landed on top of the chandelier in his bathroom. The heat from the light bulb had put a hole through the shirt, and it was smoking. It was about to catch on fire. What do we do? Lay aside the old self. Oh, it doesn't matter where it goes. Take it and pitch it. Just get rid of it. Throw it away. It doesn't matter where it lands. It doesn't matter where it ends up. Paul says we have to lay aside the old self. We have to throw away who we used to be because it's not who we are anymore. Like we said a minute ago, Paul is writing to Gentiles who have converted to Christianity. Gentiles who have converted out of very sinful pagan lifestyles. He says that's not who you are anymore. You have to lay that aside. You have to get rid of that. That's not the kind of life you're living. He says, verse 22, that belongs to your former manner of life. That's who you were before. 